you either it works or you turn the page and like that is in the weirdest way it's so freeing because like failure failure becomes less terrifying when you experience it regularly <laughs> so like when you make a drawing and you're like that was that was not great and then you're like I'll try again Hello and welcome to the Sneaky Art Podcast. This is a space where I have long-form conversations with artists who draw their world from observation in the practice also known as urban sketching. The idea of drawing from observation is a positive and mindful way to find beauty in your environment and also a wonderful way to sharpen your art skills. But even if you're not trying to be an artist, I believe the practice of urban sketching will do you a lot of good and I hope that this episode will help reinforce that point. In this episode I'm speaking with New York based artist Sarah Nisbet who has been drawing people in the subway for over 9 years. Her Instagram handle is drawn on the way and that is an apt title for what she does and also this episode. I ask Sarah what it means to draw on the way and to be drawn on the way her art is spontaneous and immediately you see that she's drawn to the quirks and idiosyncrasies of her co-passengers you could look at her drawings and recall having seen such things yourself you might think i could draw like that if i tried and not only would you be right both sara and i encourage you to do so it is a powerful and deliberate feature of her work that it inspires others to find beauty in their own surroundings there is another reason i was keen to speak with sara i'm interested in the ways that she communicates with her audience we discuss the importance of social media skills to the career of an artist we talk about how it is important to share the context of your art and not just the content for example why did you make this drawing how did you do it What was it like on the subway that day? What were you thinking at that time? If making that kind of connection with your audience is important to you but maybe you find it difficult as do I, I think you will find encouragement in this episode. I had a lot of fun speaking with Sara and I trust that at the end it will make a fun conversation for you as well. In other news, I recently instituted a membership option for listeners who are interested in going deeper with this show. You can use the link in the episode description to read the full details and sign up if you like. At the cost of just a couple of cups of coffee every month, members receive some great goodies and opportunities to interact with us. You get notified in advance about upcoming interview dates and get the chance to pose a question to my guest and me. as well as a chance to share your own sketching stories with us plus there are some other rewards from me as a gesture of appreciation for your generous support i enjoy being an independent artist and podcaster so i'm eager to make this an attractive offer for the people who enjoy my work and give me so much of their time and attention i want to thank new members shari marek claire and smitha for making this episode possible also thanks to mark Ellen, Marta, Susan, Talbot and Linda for buying me coffee this month. Links to membership and to my free weekly newsletter are in the episode description. Coming back to today's episode, the point I want to emphasize 
is that we live in an age with hundreds of things clamoring for our attention all the time. It is therefore crucial that we learn to take time for ourselves. A drawing, an urban sketch, a doodle, or just a little bit of sneaky art involves our mind and body in the dual acts of observation and creation. I hope that by listening to this conversation, you will be inspired to pick up a pen and a sketch pad the next time that you're on a bus or train or subway and create something just drawn on the way. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to the Sneaky Art Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here and to finally be able to speak with you. Yes, I'm really, really glad to be here. This is very awesome. Thank you. (laughs) I've been following your work for a really long time. Like, I think it's been a few years now, and I've taken a lot of inspiration from it. The way we we do take inspiration and we take permission from all the other artists we see on Instagram and on social media. So I'm really indebted to you because you showed me how some things were possible to do that I would have initially thought are not okay, that I have to make art a certain way, that I have to make drawings a certain way, but your work uh, opened my eyes in a lot of ways. So I want to go to your Instagram immediately. My first question is something that has intrigued me a lot, and it has to do with the wonderful name that your Instagram channel has, (laughs) Drawn on the Way. Can you tell me what it means to be drawn on the way? Yes. Okay. Um, well, first of all, I, I just want to say that's, that's, I'm very honored to have inspired you in any way that is, that's, uh, that's amazing. And that is like, really what I feel like my larger purpose in life is. Cause I, I, in answering the question about how it became, how my, my account is drawn on the way. Um, I, I can also say why that means so much to me to, to hear that I kind of inspired you because my process, I taught myself on the way, um, and, and so I feel like anytime I can kind of be like, you can do it, <laughs> you can try art. It doesn't bite. It doesn't hurt you at all. Um, you know, I, that just makes me really happy. So, yeah. So I, Drawn on the Way is the name of my account. Um, and I, uh, it reflects how I started learning how to draw, um, totally self-taught. And I learned, um, I was I was going to work. I was in living in New York and I was actually kind of in transitioning between being a full-time opera singer, which was what brought me to New York and getting like a quote unquote real office job. <laughs> and um, I was doing some temping in between, you know, finding, finding a more permanent gig. And I was just, I guess, bored, but kind of lacking a creative outlet. Cause it was a really big switch to go from like performing and being really creative to, to not in, um, I was on the subway going home one day and I happened to have a, a notebook in my bag and I was like, just so bored. I didn't, I just didn't want to be on my phone. And I just was like looking for something. And I just had this kind of moment of inspiration. I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll draw something. Just I'll doodle. So I'd always doodled. And then like nothing came to my mind. And I just kind of, for some reason was like, maybe I'll draw someone on the train. I don't know. Am I even like allowed to do that? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know, I don't know how to draw people. I'm pretty sure like, this is probably illegal if I try and do this, like, (laughs) you know, just cause I, I, I have no training. Um, but I, I did it. I drew the person across from me, this really interesting kind of like 
dapper old man who was like wearing a three-piece brown suit and a fedora and like he just looked like he had such an interesting story and such like a classic New Yorker like he was probably like 75 years old if he was a day and like going into the city when everyone else was leaving the city and I was like what where are you going like what is your deal you know and um and I drew I made the drawing and I kind of didn't hate it like I expected I would hate it and I'm very much a perfectionist and I and I didn't hate it and I was like oh that's kind of cool and that was like kind of fun and like I for a minute I was just sort of out of my own world and like deeper into the now I guess like for lack of better way to say it and so I the next day I was like I'm gonna do that again and then I did it that night when I was on my commute home and then I did it the next day and the next day and the next day and I realized that I kind of started this project of drawing people on the way like I was because I was always drawing on the subway so I was I was always going somewhere they were always going somewhere and um yeah so that's kind of how I realized that was sort of what I was doing I was kind of finding these like interstitial moments like not the big important moments not like you know anniversary party like you know not like these big moments that we all kind of pay attention to but like these sort of you know, on the way moments where we're not, we're not, we're not anywhere. We're, we're sort of, we're trying to be somewhere, which, which in the end, I feel like it's kind of my philosophy on where we always are in life. But, but at the beginning, it was very much a reflection on just like, I'm literally on the way. And so are these people. And that's, that's what this is about. Wow. That's such an interesting story on multiple levels. First, I really find it interesting that you consciously were looking for something to fill like an idle moment. Is this is this before we had Facebook on our phones? Because I feel like that would have made it very difficult. This is really interesting, actually, because I I it is not. It was I definitely had an iPhone because I, I I know I had an iPhone when I moved to New York because it's the reason I don't know how to navigate like anything below um, <laughs> below Soho because I'm like because I I had my my phone with me so I just always use the map so like when I'm like actually walking by myself and I don't have my phone I'm like where am I <laughs> like how did the streets work <laughs> um, but it was actually like exactly that I I I had this like urge to do something and the instinct was like well pull out your phone um, but I was like I just don't want to stare at a screen I can't do it like I can't I can't like come up against this block of like somebody else giving me information. Like, I think the instinct was like, I have to put something, something has to come out of me into the world versus the yeah. other direction. Um, and it's interesting too, because when I first started drawing, a lot of the people that I drew were on their phones. And so they were totally, yeah. And I'm sure you find this too. And they're totally checked out. They have no idea they're even in the universe and you can like stare at them full on and they, they don't notice it. So this brings me to the second part of the thing that I found so fascinating about your story in how you say that you thought initially, and all of us think this, you thought initially this has to be wrong. I can't be just drawing people. It has to be uncouth. There must be some kind of personal boundaries I'm crossing. And then you realize also that most people don't really care. And most people are, especially if you're drawing on the way, if you're drawing uh, any kind of activity in which people are locked in their own worlds it's like we've got these cocoons and all of us are plugged in to our phones and the things playing in our ears and we're watching things we're not really aware of our the world around us yeah so in that sense you're not really encroaching and what you're doing is something so rare we think that it's wrong but it's so rare that somebody is looking at someone else and trying to find 
something beautiful about them. Yes, oh, that's so perfectly said. I that's something that this process has really taught me is that yeah, at first I felt like am I doing something like illicit or like weird or bad? And I I and especially when I drew drew people that had anything distinguishing about them, you know, like some a feature that was like really distinct or, you know, something that might might make people actually look at them. Um, and I realized that though, that like what the, the like offering I felt like I was making into the world was like, you are a random stranger. I know nothing about. And yet I think you're worthy of being seen and of being turned into art, which like usually is something you have to like pay for. You have to be famous for people to do that. And I feel like it sort of became, it has become like my philosophy, like my, I, that, you know, you are a work of art. We, we all are worthy of this you know, translation and, and especially for strangers, especially for people we don't know. It's kind of like, to me, it's like, I don't know. I mean, this is like probably going to sound like cheesy or like overblown, but like, it's kind of like my prayer to the world. It's like this prayer of like connection. It's like, and I, when I, yeah, like when I can, I try and share the drawings with people, like either just give them to them or at least like when I'm jumping off the train, be like, this is you, you know? Um, but, but yeah, it's kind of like, it feels like my way of like, I don't know, sort of giving something back to the world, being like, thank you for being here so I could see you. Like, you're great to be seen, <laughs> you know? And and you started with saying how you were so sure that you wouldn't make a good drawing. And I love how you put it. You sort of suggest that at the end of the drawing, that thought of whether it was a good drawing or not was actually kind of irrelevant, right? Yes. Yeah, totally. That's That is something that I quickly, it's weird because I'm a total perfectionist. And, um, and so in a lot of ways, I actually feel like I draw in pen always. So there's like no erasing. And so the first, and, and that was sort of by accident. The first thing I pulled out of my purse that first day to make that drawing was a pen. And I think really early on, I realized I've got to keep using this pen because if I use a pencil, I'm going to erase everything. Like I'll never draw anything. Yes, that's that's <laughs> exactly it. That was, that used to be my problem. I, I spent years wanting to be a good artist, wanting to be good at drawing, but not being able to do so because of the same kind of hangups. I'm a perfectionist. It has to look exactly like I wanted to. Otherwise, there's no point. And that was the that was the issue. I would keep erasing. If I was doing digital art, I would keep undoing. So I started, when I started drawing with this idea that I'm going to look at my world and I'm going to learn, I started drawing with a fountain pen with the notion that I can't erase anything. And whatever happens is what happens and you just have to take it and you have to just turn the page to the next drawing. And it's such an important thing to let go, isn't it? That kind of feeling of control. Mm-hmm. I think I totally, I mean, you said it, like you, you, you either it works or you turn the page. And like that is in the weirdest way, it's so freeing because like failure, failure becomes less terrifying when you experience it regularly. <laughs> So like when you make a drawing and you're like, that was, that was not great. And then you're like, I'll try again. You're like, also not great. And then like you do that enough times and you get the confidence that like 10, like not great drawings in a row has no bearing on the 11th drawing. Like the 11th drawing can be amazing. And so like it becomes much less, yeah, like as a perfectionist, it's like, I feel like the temptation is if you do it wrong once, it's like, oh, well, I should just probably go sit in a corner for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, you know, like I'll never do anything right. And 
and yeah, when you, when like working in pen, I think definitely like forces you to fail and to have to kind of figure it out too. Like there's so many sketches that I've done where I'm like, you know, halfway through, I'm like, oh, this is disaster. Like I'm, I'm not going to make it to the end of this. And then I'm like, kind of have to work with those mistakes. And then I come up with something that's, that's like co-designed by me and the mistakes. And it's different than what I would have done, but it's like, oh, I kind of like that. That's cool. Like that, that works better actually. The the mistakes are like, the mistakes are just part of us, right? Like I sometimes think that the mistakes are what we call style. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're like speaking my language so much right now. <laughs> Everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, that, good. <laughs> so the other aspect of uh, being being perfectionist, putting yourself through this process, uh, another interesting part is that because you're drawing on the subway and you face this problem that I face all the time too, and now I don't even see it as a problem. I see it as an excellent design feature, which is that you never know how long you have. You could be leaving or your subject could be leaving. So how, how does that affect what you're drawing? Yes, oh my gosh. Um, Yes. I mean, so much. I mean, that's, that's really affected my style, I would say, because, you know, you, you don't have infinite time, you know, you know, from the get go, that that person is going to leave probably in the next 10, 10 minutes at the most, you know, you'll be lucky if you get that, um, probably closer to five and could be, you know, 10 seconds. And so I feel like it showed me all the different, first of all, all the different ways that you can tell a story, you know, it's like, you can tell the story of that person in like, maybe just by drawing their hand and the way it like drapes over their purse. And if that's all you get, like, that's, that's a portrait of that person in its own way. Right. And, and if there's more time to draw more of that person, the story just develops, like it becomes a longer form, you know, it goes from maybe haiku to like short story to full on novel, depending on how much time you have. But I think that really taught, taught me yeah, the, the, the constriction of time really taught me to be fast and to work loosely and just sort of like let it happen because you, you won't get that time back. Like, um, and also that, yeah, like there's, you do not have to add every detail to tell the story. And I, I, yeah, I think I could not have understood that if you'd, you know, if you'd, if I'd learned any other way, I would have been like, no, I have to draw like all the threads on their buttons, you know, <laughs> like otherwise no one will know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So let's go back to this daily habit that you're on the subway and you're commuting. And so you just draw on the way. Uh, there must be such diversity in these drawings because when you're first confronting limited time, limited opportunity, limited point of view, sometimes somebody obstructs your view all of a sudden. So you have to be, you have to really dive right into what is it that I wanted to draw and why did I want to draw it? How long did you keep up this da near daily habit? And what are some of the, like the things that you still remember that you saw and you drew and you were proud of? Yeah. Oh man. They're such good questions. Um, I, uh, let's see. Um, I've, I've kept up this habit almost, I'm sort of in nine, nine years now. Um, and, and really drawing every day. Um, there have, there have definitely been, you know, days where I didn't draw, but they're, they're really, really rare. <laughs> like, um, I, I, I realize it's kind of like, even during the pandemic, I realize it's like kind of key to my sanity. <laughs> um, like just some daily expression of myself. That's like not verbal. It's like, it's, it's so, you know, 
in, I don't know, intuitive or something. It's like, there's, there's no mediation. Like, it's just like, this is what my brain told my hand to do. And it's kind of, and it's, and it's here and now I'm done. And like, I got it out. Thank God I can go on with my day. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think like that's, it's really been become sort of, I don't know, like not an addiction, but, but, a just a part of my experience of the world, like a sort of mandatory part of it. Um, and yeah, and I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm answering like questions I think you didn't ask, but like, but, but in that, I think it's also like, it, it, it makes the world so much more interesting. Like during the pandemic, like we, my boyfriend and I go on walks and I, I always bring my sketchbook and like, you know, we'll take these planned walks and then they'll end up being like two hours because I'm like, oh, I saw this really beautiful like leaf on a tree that I needed to stop and drive. He's like so patient. He's like, you know, but it changes the way you see things because you're sort of always looking to be delighted or surprised or interested in something. And so like walking down the block is, is like, it's walking down the block, but you're also kind of like, this could be like, I could find the most inspirational thing and I'll get to draw for like 10 minutes and that'll be so awesome. And like, so it, it, it does change. It does change. Um, it really changes how you see the world. I'm sure you, you've experienced that too in your practice. The, the limited time is such a, is such a blessing because it, it allows you to think that I could draw this. I could get this drawing done. Like, and if if you're just somebody who thinks of a drawing as a two, three plus hour project, you just eliminate so many subjects and you definitely eliminate so many subjects that you just run into in your daily life. So if you're not really thinking that I'm going to draw something specific today, but you go out with just this open mind that I'm going to look at things and something's going to look interesting and then I'll give it 10 minutes. It's that's that small investment of time. It, it, opens up all these doors. Uh, I, I, again, you're like, you're like taking the thoughts like out of my head. I'm like, yep, that's no, it's, I, comp- so, I, yeah, like it's. Let's, let's go back on the subway. Tell, tell, like I've looked at some of your drawings in which you're drawing just somebody's face and you don't have all the details there. You don't even have the rest of their body, but you have their eyes there. You have maybe some specific eyelashes. Sometimes you're drawing people with just their scarves and the way their hair falls on it. What what are some of these things, these images that that strike you as interesting when you're when you're traveling? Yeah, I think it's it is, you know, it's it's that constriction of time that sort of forces you to think about the essence of a person and all the ways that that's expressed. And and to me, like even just some of the examples like that you just gave, you know, those kind of details, like those are the things that like I look for that just like color the world so beautifully like like you know that 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 somebody like in the smallest gesture somebody can tell you everything about themselves and 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 how true that is whether that's just like my sort of reading of it but like the example that I always give of that is is in fact like I sort of alluded to it earlier but one of my favorite drawings is of this woman it's literally just her hand draped over a purse that's all that the drawing is but I remember I was riding the subway and like I I all I drew was her hand, but I remember the whole woman, like, you know, like, but I remember like taking her in and she was like, you know, not, not fancifully dressed, you know, in New York, I mean, you have like literal millionaires riding the subway and she was, she, I don't think that she was a millionaire. She's just like a normal looking person, like probably in her sixties and like, you know, nothing overtly fancy about her, but the way that she just draped her hand over her purse, like it was the most elegant gesture it was like royal. And I was like, I feel like I know who this woman is. I know how she carries herself. I know how she considers herself. Like, 
it was just like, like, I was like, I don't rest my hand over my purse like that. I'm not that like composed, you know, like, and it just like, and whether or not that is the true story of who she is, like reflecting on that and thinking about that is fun to me. And, and it's kind of what I, those are the details that I look for because again, like when you don't have a lot of time, all you might have time for is, is to draw that one element that speaks to the larger person. And I, I think that's, I don't know. I just think it's interesting to kind of look for those expressions of self that pop up all over the world. Yeah. And and you sort of give yourself this, this joy of discovery also, because you don't know what you were going to draw. And then when you see somebody, like you said, you, you remember the whole person. So you're observing the person and you know, you don't have much time. They might leave, the next second they might leave at the next stop so you have to draw the thing that you need to draw before they're definitely gone and you start over there and that's like a process of even discovering in with yourself what is it that i like about this person and once you've drawn it that's when you that's when it reveals itself to you right yes yes perfectly said yeah so for somebody who's drawing in new york city i wonder is it also a really intimidating thing to do? New York City is, of course, one of the, it is the most famous city in the world. It's an endlessly photographed city and it's been covered so lovingly in movies, in songs and television shows. What is it like to, like, are you intimidated or were you intimidated at some point by the prospect of trying to show what's beautiful about where you live? Oh, that's, that's a really great question. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think that I was, I mean, that's a really interesting question. I think I was more intimidated by the idea of, of making art, like period, like, and especially making like representational art, like, like art that, you know, is supposed to look like the person I'm drawing. I think to me, it felt, it felt kind of interesting. Cause like I, I, there, you know, I obviously I follow you. I follow other people that like draw, draw in, in you know all over wherever they go and like I I saw a lot of people who draw you know on the subway and you know the public transport in other cities and I feel like you know a lot of people will like add details that show they're on the subway and I think it's really interesting I can't really say why but right away I never really added those details like I sort of isolated them like they could be anywhere and I feel like in some ways, like if I had to like art historize myself, <laughs> um, I would say maybe, you know, like on a subconscious level, that was again, like trying to like find this person independent of like the place. It's like, yeah, you're in New York. And that, that actually says a lot about you and who you are and what you might be doing. But like, who are you independent of these things? Like, what is, who are you? Like, and, and sort of asking that question independent, yeah, of like where they are and what they're doing and, you know. Yeah. So New York sort of became the backdrop that like served people up to me to, to be exposed to them. And that's, I mean, that's the thing that I, I mean, that's the best thing about New York, I think is like, people are just everywhere. The the inspiration is just, it's endless and it's diverse and it's amazing. And like, it's just there, you walk out of your house and there's like 200 people and you're like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, the, speaking of the diverse inspiration, did you ever draw something that you would look and wonder, I would not have initially thought this was worth drawing, or I wouldn't have thought I would be interested in drawing something like this. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I think the, the, the other part of like drawing on your commute is like, 
at a certain point, like in some ways you have very little time because you know, you don't know when people are leaving. But then I, I was always, for much of my New York life, I lived off the F train, which is like constantly delayed. <laughs> so there would be many times where I, you know, you're like 10 minutes from home and then the F train's like, we're just going to sit in this tunnel for half an hour. And we don't know why. And you're like, all right, very good. <laughs> um, and I feel like it would be like in those moments where I would, you know, I'd already have been drawing maybe for like 20 minutes on the train. So, you know, I kind of drawn all the people that sort of immediately spoke to me. And then it's kind of like those moments where it's like, oh, well, I'm still here. I still have my sketchbook out. Like, I maybe I'll look and see what pops up on sort of second and third and fourth review of like the world around me. And I feel like that's that's when I started really finding like those quiet details, you know, like it's like, uh, you know, somebody like somebody's untied shoe or something that you're like, oh man, I just feel like that combined with your whole deal, like sort of says something about who you are. Or like, you know, you, you, you kind of tune into like these, again, like these smaller details that, that feel suggestive um, of the person and maybe are much quieter than like the person with the mohawk that's on the train, you know, like that's the obvious person to look at. That's the obvious thing to see. But then it's like, you know, the, you know, mom like holding her kid's hand and it's like oh that's like so beautiful and like there's this whole moment happening here that like you know maybe you didn't notice at first because there are just other things that pulled your attention so yeah and that's that's like such an interesting part to me because uh i was discussing this with another uh, urban sketcher who i recorded just last week and we were talking about drawing architecture so not not drawing people per se but it's very similar that uh, we were talking about how you sometimes don't get to draw the first thing you see, or let's say the first point of view that occurs to you that I would love to draw it from here. So I guess the same way if you're on the subway, how it would apply is, and it's applied to me on the bus and the trains in Chicago as well, is that I want to draw somebody, but it would be too obvious if I was drawing this guy right from in front of him, and I don't want it to be so conspicuous. So now I've got to look for someone else and I've got to reject my first choice, reject maybe my second and third choice and then draw, find, find and look for something interesting while remaining in these circumstances. Yes, yes, that is definitely, <laughs> that's definitely a real influence. And I feel like even that, like it expands, like it's so funny because I feel like these are all these like, like as self-taught artists, it's like, if you'd gone to art school, I feel certain you would be in a class and you'd have a professor and they would be like, now we're going to, you know, in our still life today, we're going to draw this, but I want you to draw it from, you know, upside down or like go to the worst view possible and draw this still life, like to get, you know, like I, an exercise to make you see things differently or like push yourself to draw something that is harder to draw. Um, and I feel like that's like what drawing in the real world does. It forces you to do those exercises and to like find a different way or like, you know, like when your view is blocked, you're like, shoot, I really wanted to draw that person. And then you realize you can actually see their shoes and you're like, cool, those shoes say a lot about that, you know, or like, oh, I can't draw that person anymore. But now I'm kind of noticing the person next to them and they actually have something kind of cool going on. So like, forget that other person, I'm going to draw this view. And like, yeah, so I feel like it's it's real life is like a really good art school in its own funny way. <laughs> so that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking about how you communicate your art. So what I find unique about your work is that you're so directly speaking to people who are not artists. You're sharing art about a world, about a part of a city that is may not be considered traditionally as a subject of art. And you're sharing it with people who wouldn't have seen it that way. So you're speaking to a non 
artsy audience let's call it that how how does it feel to do that and how, how does that communication work for you yeah it feels it feels awesome <laughs> um i mean it's <laughs> like a silly answer but it's it's true like i I think from the beginning, in a weird way, I felt like this opportunity or like responsibility even to like share my view because I, I feel like it's so unique, especially being in New York. It's like most people never go to New York or don't live in New York ever. Like they don't get that experience. And I, I think in a lot of ways, when you are in New York, there is this pressure to like, uh, you know, to like be too cool for New York. Like you don't, don't look up, like, don't look like a tourist. And I was like, screw it. Like I'm in New York. Like I'm working so hard to be here. Like I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to see everything about it. And I don't care if I look like a tourist. So like, I think there was initially kind of this sensation of like, I want to share that. Like I want to share this experience. Cause like I'm seeing it in this way. And I, I think other people would appreciate that. So I, I, I felt like, yeah, I felt excited to share that. And then I think in my own process of becoming a, of being a self-taught artist and, and, and kind of giving myself like that grace and that acceptance of like, it's okay to not know what you're doing. It's okay to like, not make, you know, to, it's okay to like begin this process. I think that became something really important to me to share to people is like, it's not about the end result of the drawing. It's about what you experienced during it or like what it made you think about or why you drew it. And so I feel like in like, even my captions, like I, I do try and express some of that so that people can sort of access the experience in a number of ways, you know, and, and I've, I've had a lot of people like reach out and say, you know, like, I don't draw, but like when I'm walking around, I kind of look for things because I follow your account and I'm like, awesome. And like, or I'll have people be like, I don't draw, but I just started. Cause like, I see you doing it. And like, you know, you do it like, in just a few minutes. So I thought I've got a few minutes. And that to me is like, I'm like, I can retire. I've done what I came here to do. You know, like you've moved one person towards I, art. I mean, that's, totally. that's a big, that's a big deal, right? Totally. So yeah. That That's like, I think it's the biggest perplexing question to artists. How do you get somebody to care about your art? And so the, so that, that it's, it's, it's maybe it's refreshing that because you're not a trained artist, you're not approaching it from that point of view. And it's refreshing that you're not selecting your subjects and you're just, you're sort of chasing your curiosity. And so the limitations of the, of the way you draw, the way you create uh, your art almost make them easier for other people to appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I, I think like also, kind of what we've talked about, like those, those constraints that we're dealing with when we're drawing in the moment, like of, you know, blocked views or not enough time or whatever. I feel like those, those do come through in the drawings and they invite, I think people to like, imagine why we drew it that way, you know, like they imagine the things that aren't there. And I think that's, that's really something that like, I like about, you know, this kind of work. And when I see it in other people, like, you know, it, it's not a fully fleshed out, like 12, you know, 20 hour painting that has, you know, every detail, It it's missing a lot of stuff. And I think that that instinctively actually allows people to sort of like imagine what was happening, which I think is, is cool. Like, I think that's a cool thing to invite people to do. Like I, and I think that also helps brings like bring artists and non-artists into it because they're, they have to do a little bit of work to look at it. And I think that's, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. And I also feel like the, the simplicity that comes as a consequence of limited time and limited, uh, limited options around, around the subject, th there's this simplicity to the drawings. And 
we see so much of media now, right? Like anybody with a phone is instantly able to access all the art ever created in the world. And you're constantly showered by these images, whether you're reading an article, whether you're on Reddit or any other website, you're seeing a lot of art. To get somebody to really still look at your art and to notice it and not just scroll past, that's like such a, it's almost like a superpower. Like so many people would be jealous of just getting somebody to stop and not keep scrolling. How do you feel about that? Like, has it been difficult for you or has it just been like, have you simply been doing this and you've discovered that it works? Um, it's, it's definitely changed over time. Like when I, I, when I first started sharing my art on Instagram, it's funny. I mean, I actually like on any given day, I'm very frustrated with, with sharing on social media to be, to be honest, like, cause it, it, it feels almost like you don't have control over it. I mean, some days like my art gets shown to like so many people and I'm like, yay, that's awesome. Cause that's what I want. Um, like independent of the ego that goes along with it, which I will be fully, fully candid about. Um, but, but yeah, on the, on the days when it sort of doesn't, it's like really frustrating. But, but when I first start, started sharing on Instagram, I think that's like really why I, I even continued going in some ways, because it was like this private thing that I did for myself. And, and then I, like some of my friends at work knew that I did it and they were like, oh, you should like start an Instagram account. And I was like, who wants to see my like crappy subway drawings? Right. That's exactly <laughs> the kind of self-doubt I'm talking about. So how, yeah. how did you, how did you deal with that? What happened? I think I just, I just started like sharing. I just started sharing them. And then I, and then, you know, at, like at first it was like, you know, if 20 people liked it, like strangers, I think that was it. Like strangers liking it was like, you have no obligation to say that you like this thing. So you must really like it. And that kind of like made me believe that I was doing something worthwhile at all. Um, but, but yeah, so in, in a lot of ways, I feel like it was like that kind of outside validation from other people that like, they were like, what you see is moving to me and I'd like to see more of it. And then I was like, Oh, okay, well, maybe I'll keep doing this. Um, but it, it is hard. And I think it's especially hard, like, as uh, it's it's a hard balance. I mean, I, I feel like I just started playing around on TikTok now. And like, that's a whole nother thing. And it's, it's hard, because I feel like the, you know, for those of us who draw in the moment, I'm not in a studio. So like, recording it, setting it up, communicating, like, the very kind of, you know, difficult thing that it is to do to draw from real life, you have to be sneaky about it, you know, you have to like, you know, you're, you're, you're working with so many restrictions and then sort of like trying to translate the miracle that is, that is like, I got a drawing done with all this craziness going around. It's, it is sometimes frustratingly hard to, to show that to people because all they see is the final drawing, which looks like very calm and organized and like, you know, you knew what you were doing versus like, you know, you're being bumped and jostled like on a train or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, it is, it is hard. Um, it is hard. I mean, I, I, I think like in terms of getting stuff out there, it's just a question of just keeping on doing it and, and being honest about, you know, why you're sharing. Like, I think like being, being on, like being authentic with people and like bringing that to it and yeah. And then just sort of praying to the social media gods. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so frustrating when sometimes you'll share something that maybe sometimes you share a drawing that you aren't is like particularly proud of like it's not your best drawing you just think ah it was a so-so day I got a drawing so I'll share it and sometimes those drawings work and then you sometimes you have these drawings which you just love and it everything went well and 
nobody else seems to care. Oh my God. I So many times that, and it's really messed up because sometimes I'm like, oh my God, don't, I'll, I'll notice like that I'm, I'm sort of looking at at the world with a lens of like, oh, if I do this, would people like that? And I'm like, don't do that. I'm like, that's, they're not, you know, this is your process, not theirs. But it's, it's because it is, and it is funny, because I think that's also, also like a responsibility I feel like I have as an artist is like, is not to only draw the like, conventionally beautiful people, you know, like whatever that means, because I, I think beauty is very much in the eye of the beholder. But there are certain types of like, images that I think we all kind of like relate to is like, Oh, that's a beautiful woman or that's a handsome man, or that's like elegant. And I'm like, I, I just, I like showing a different view of humanity and like being like, there are so many ways to appreciate somebody <laughs> and like, and this like conventional beauty is like one way and it's a really limited way. And so it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to like feed more just like, beautiful, quote unquote, uncomplicated images into the system. Like, and so sometimes it's frustrating because sometimes those, those images don't do as well, but I'm like, you need to see these two. Like, you know, like we, I, I'm not just going to give you like your dessert, you know, I, you need to have the full, beautiful, delicious meal. And like, and you know, if, so yeah, it's, but it can be tricky with, with the social media, uh, algorithms and stuff because it's like eh, no one likes that i did though <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting the part you mentioned about how like there's so much chaos and of course what the person what a viewer sees at the end is just a finished drawing and you're trying to communicate more than just the drawing you're trying to communicate your feelings around it you're trying to communicate how it felt to be there at that moment so people try all kinds of different things i know a lot of artists who simply share their art and they don't say anything more to it. They don't feel obligated or they don't feel like they have anything more to add to it. So how, how do you add, how, like, I'm not talking about when I say stories, I don't want to say just the Instagram stories, but just how do you uh, make and weave these stories around what is a simple 10 minute drawing to, just to get people to care about it a little more? What yeah. are some things you've tried? Yeah, well, it's, I've tried a few things. I mean, I think one of the things like I, I like you, like to write a lot. And so, and I think I have a feeling like when you were saying at the beginning, you, you like writing, I was like, well, that's, that's why you like drawing people from real life too. Cause I feel like it's just another way of telling stories. Like, um, so, so I, I think sometimes, you know, one of the first techniques I think I tried doing is, is, um, is, is kind of telling a little bit about the story or my experience or like almost giving like a, you know, an accompanying not like ser sermon is the word that came to mind, but that sounds like really preachy and weird, but, but, but almost like a, just, you know, a meditation, like a reflection, like on some element of like why I drew this person and sort of, um, you know, including, including that so that people like they look at the image and then it's like, they, they process that. And then I want them to like, also think about maybe why I drew it. And then would they have drawn that or would that have, what does that mean to them? It's sort of like, it becomes a, a point of meditation. So I feel like that that's, that's definitely one way that I try and like involve people or get people to, to care, <laughs> um, or appreciate, you know, like the where, when, or, or why I drew that thing or like, you know, telling people even just like, I drew this in line at, you know, the farmer's market. So like people can like kind of picture that image in their head and be like, that's a really weird, like, what would I think about if I saw somebody doing that? Like, would that be impressive or interesting or, you know, different or like, so I, I think trying to give some extra context helps. And rec just recently I was, um, 
I was in Central Park and I was, um, uh, I was painting like a little scene and I have, my boyfriend was with me and like, bless him. He is like so patient. And I was like, will you video this? Cause I'm trying to like show people the process more. And so he was being very sweet and was like videoing it. Cause I think that, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's just like, especially the way that, you know, things are these days people have, if you can't show it to people in like three seconds, like don't bother almost. And so, uh, and then, and then it turned out these other people arrived on the bridge and I, I thought they were doing an engagement shoot, but they were actually getting married. And, and I was like, I, it was so lucky that we had the camera out and I already had my um, sketchbook open. And I was like, said to my boyfriend, I was like, I'm going to draw them and I'm giving them this drawing at the end of their wedding. I was surprised them with it. And he captured the whole thing, which is amazing. And then I like, I actually just, I, I put this, I like cut this video together on TikTok and it's gone somewhat viral, like certainly more viral than anything on, on Instagram I've ever done. And I think in part, it's because it has that mix of like, people can see how crazy it is to just be like living your life and then suddenly take out a sketchbook and in a few minutes, transcribe a very real, very complex thing that happened in just a few choices on the page. Like I think when you, again, like, yeah, when you show people that final process, it requires them to like, think about how that happened. And if they aren't artists or if they don't have experience with that, they just may almost like lack the imagination to to get there but like if you show people i i feel like so it's yeah it's 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 kind of balancing i think like literally showing people the process so that they can i think be sort of impressed by that because i think it's just such a different way to make art yeah i i feel like tiktok almost works even better than instagram because if you provided i mean there is the uphill task of making a compelling video but provided you do that or you can uh, cobble together little what we make as 10 second stories on Instagram. If we can cobble those together into a TikTok reel, what I find interesting is that then you have somebody's attention for 30 seconds and you don't get that on an Instagram post. You're not going to like, no, it doesn't. You could be Oscar Wilde writing beautiful words, but nobody's going to give you 30 seconds on Instagram. <laughs> this, is, this is so true. It's so true. And even I, I, I started posting more on TikTok and like my first, my first TikTok videos, I was like, I was like doing, you know, my full like Ken Burns, you know, I was like, and this is the like, and like, it was like crickets. And then I was like watching these other videos on TikTok and I'm like, oh, like they, you know, some of these videos, like it, it's just like the action happens right away. And like, I was realizing, you know, the more I'm on social media, the more I'm like, if I don't know what's happening right away, I don't care. And I hate that because that's not how I am in real life. But, um, but yeah, like I, I have noticed, like I, I've started tweaking this, like the way I, I, I share stuff on TikTok or other places. And like, yeah, if you just get right into the meat and potatoes in like the first two seconds, then people will stick around for the rest of it, which is cool. But if you can't, it's like slow, thoughtful, um, you know, initiations do not work on social media. People are like, I don't got time for that. <laughs> That's so true. And sometimes, sometimes we, uh, we like, if, if you're not having a good time on social media, you're going to think about blaming the audience for it off oh, the low attention spans. Why can't mm -hmm. people pay attention to something that maybe I drew this for one hour? Why can't I get one minute? Why is it too much to ask? But yes. then, like you mentioned, even when you're on Instagram or you're on TikTok, you're operating in the same way, right? Like you're scrolling on Instagram. You're not actually giving any piece of art one minute of your time. So I find it interesting that when you use these different apps, we kind of... Uh, 
we can take this opportunity to understand how they're used. So it's not really about the audience or having a low attention span or not caring. It's really about what are they there for? Are they there to scroll? Are they there to be entertained in a video? And to some extent, you have to meet them halfway. Like I find it's it's almost a little unrealistic and maybe a little snobbish to expect that simply because you put five hours into a painting that somebody is obliged to give you one minute of their time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's true. And I think, Oh, it's so hard. I, it's so hard. I've, I've been thinking about uh, the other the other day I was thinking about, I was like, can you imagine like, well, I mean, there are a lot of like modern, you know, contemporary artists who are like having to balance this, but I was like trying to imagine like, you know, um, like Da Vinci or like um, Rembrandt, like, like what would it, what would it, what would they have made, or how would they maybe have been changed, like if they had to be like, hey guys, so I'm like working on this Sistine <laughs> Chapel, and I just wanted to show you like a work in progress video, <laughs> like, yeah. like you know, it's it's hard because you do you have to find a way, you know, social media is so important, and it's it's so important to being an artist, and it's important to sharing your message, and so it's mandatory, but it it can be so frustrating, like from the, from the process of like, oh my God, I've got to try and find a way to like record while I'm doing this thing and all of that. Or like the first, the very real frustration. I mean, I, for, you know, now on Instagram, I don't even, I don't even like look at, you know, my own statistics. I used to like look a lot and I just would get so frustrated by it because like definitely from an ego point, but also from like the point of like what you're saying, like, I like, spent an hour writing this caption and like I went on this like adventure today and I like made this piece of art and I just like I need people to like see it and know it and hear it and like I know they want it I like you know I have this audience and like and I I can't share it with them and it's so frustrating and like it's so it can be really like it can be really yeah like really frustrating and really just like you know make you make you less inspired to share but I feel like the the sharing is is definitely part of the like cycle of making yeah. art you know but then but then you're adapting to this situation right like uh, it's it's one thing to be frustrated and then to give up in one way you could stick to doing uh, the things that you're comfortable doing and not try to evolve with the evolving algorithm the evolving features or you could try to meet those things and try to better understand your audience and then try try to see where your audience is for example um I make so much art on Instagram and on Facebook. And of course, all of it is only looked at for like three or four seconds. But we're talking now on a podcast. And once this airs, you're going to have somebody listening continuously for one hour or longer. And that's, again, it's so much about the medium. So it's always admirable if artists are willing to to consider the logistics of these things. Like not just not just think about the art, but really care about how you're going to share that art with somebody. Yeah. 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 I think that's, it's definitely a part of the job these days. And I guess, I guess it kind of always was too. There were just fewer avenues, you know, it's like, if you think about like, you know, um, yeah, Michelangelo or something like he was like, he, you know, he had a patron and like, that was, well, that was one of his avenues for, you know, getting funded and then, you know, getting seen and all that stuff. So it's like, yeah, now there's just so many different ways you have to like consider how you can share your art. And it's not just like in a gallery, it's not just a paper, it's like, or a magazine, it's like, 
there's a million channels, which can be really overwhelming, but I, I think you're right. Like, I think it is important to kind of meet people like what they want and need from whatever app they're on. And like, if it's just some mindless entertainment or like a feel good moment, then like, like that's been really interesting with this like little TikTok video that's kind of taken off. Like, I'm like, Oh, like, you know, like I, I kind of presented that moment of, as like, you know, I actually, I feel like it was a reflection of like how cool it was to me. Cause in that moment I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. They're getting married. I draw people getting married, like for my job, like I can do this and I can just like give it to them and they won't even like, this is going to be awesome. And like, I was so excited about that. And I feel like for once, cause we had the, we just like happened to have the video out already. Like I could show that exact process to people. And that actually felt awesome to just be like, there, you saw it. Like you really saw how it goes down. Like, <laughs> All the stars aligned yeah, in that yeah, moment. Yeah. So that felt <laughs> how, how was, what was their reaction? Tell me the couple's reaction when you showed them the drawing. Yeah. They were totally like, they were so like, it's so funny. Cause I'm sure like you get this, like when you, you know, show somebody you've drawn them, like there's like that moment where like, you can see that their brain is like <clears throat> not caught up with what you're saying. Cause because like when in your life does somebody just like walk up to you and be like I drew this picture of you <laughs> like yeah. and you didn't ask them to so um they were definitely like they just got married and I kind of like tried to give them a minute to like you know debrief and like before I ran up to them and they were they were so happy they were very appreciative they were like oh my god thank you and then I I, I later um like one of their friends I think now follows me on Instagram and she was like I posted about it on Instagram she was like those are my friends they love it and I was like oh my god that's so awesome now I like it makes the world like really beautifully small I think and that's that's kind of cool ha have you had somebody that you didn't show a drawing to but maybe they found out later on your Instagram or they they recognize themselves in a drawing has that ever happened I have had one one person I've had people definitely like you know tag friends on it and be like is this you but one time that I know of, um, someone, it was this girl that I drew, she was super awesome. And also I drew like only a partial view because there was like a pole in front of her. <laughs> but she had uh, this like amazing like hot pink hair and then like a kind of like short like faux hawk almost, like curly faux hawk. And um, I drew her and it's like one of the few times, I don't add a lot of color, but like her hair was so awesome I had to. And, um, and then somebody tagged, like somebody typed on like a comment and they were like, this is my, I think this is my friend so-and-so. And they tagged her and they went and looked at her account. And I was like, this is 100% the person that I just drew. So it was crazy. Cause like, in that case, I hadn't gotten a, a chance to like share the drawing with her or anything. And I was like, I, I literally can't believe that like, you know, somebody who follows my account, no, like there's like 13 million people that live in New York and like they you know it just was like crazy I was like I love that kind of stuff like that yeah it's big world small world it's so difficult to reckon with how how like what is it which one of the two is it is it such a small world that I drew somebody and obviously somebody knows them or is it such a big world in which I've been able to after drawing for years and years that you've reached this threshold with your followers etc that you're able to connect with someone. It's it's both at the same time. I think you're totally right. I think you're totally right. It, it is really both at the same time, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you draw with this? Like, so your first drawing that you mentioned that was in a notepad and you had a pen that you just found in your bag. Is, is that the same way you draw now when you go out or do you, uh, have you come to some certain tools and certain supplies that you love? Yeah. So I, I pretty much stuck for, for, 
most of my, like, yeah, for most of the last like nine years that I've been drawing, I basically have a pen, which is a uniball rollerball office pen. It is like not a, an art pen <laughs> by design, but it's a great art pen, I think. Um, and, uh, so that's my primary tool. And I, I, I have continued to use that when I draw on the go, because I, I do, I really believe, I really believe in the power of the pen. Like I, I, I think it's, it's so constricting in so many ways, but because of that, I think it forces you to be creative and thoughtful about like what you put on the page. Cause you're not getting distracted by like, Oh, well I, I can like suggest the texture or the color I can like, it's like, I almost feel like it forces you to be, I don't know, like almost like independent. It's like, it forces you to just be really creative and resilient and thoughtful. And then if you like want to add a pop of color or other details, it's like, those are the cherries on top. You know, it's like, it's like, um, so I try and kind of, yeah, I, I've tried to stay pretty true to that. Um, so I'll usually bring now with me, sometimes I'll bring like a, a red marker or a yellow marker, just cause like, those are colors that I really enjoy using and kind of look for. So like, you know, artistically, I, I feel like they, they, they look nice. So I, I'll bring that. Sometimes I've started bringing like a little fan pan watercolor kit with me. Um, which I have used on the subway recently. I did that in October. I just like full on busted out like a watercolor fan pan. And I was like, bah, bah, bah. Um, but, but yeah, most of the time I, when I'm on the go, I, you know, I, I've started, you know, exploring other mediums at home and, and I see how much the instruction that the pen taught me comes through in those. Like when I'm using paints, I'm like, I use them very differently because I, I use them like an illustrator, not a painter. And and I think that like, I love that education. So I, I, I feel like, you know, when I'm, when I'm out in the world, my pen, I'm like, you are enough. I will respect you. You know, <laughs> like, um, I, I like, I like the, the way that you make me have to think about the world. So. Yeah. And it's, it's just so lovely to think that a person can become an artist or be, be, uh, you know, this whole process can be catalyzed by just an office ball pen and just a sketch pad, just a regular pad can, can bring so much. It's, it's, you've managed to touch so many people, you managed to improve yourself in so many ways. It's so cathartic and all of it can come from such simple tools that, that are all around us. Like any of my listeners could possibly reach for them at this very moment. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I hope they do. I, I, I hope they do. And I think like, you're, you're so right to say that. I think, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's part of it too. It's like, that's why I don't, when I'm, when I'm home and I'm in my studio, then I'm like, okay, I can use all the toys. But I think there's so much to be said for just not letting it become complicated. Like everywhere I go, I put my sketchbook in my purse. My pen is, you know, tucked into the binding of it. And it's just like this, like promise at the beginning of the day that you might see something interesting, <laughs> which completely changes the way you experience your day. Um, and, and even if you don't draw anything, you're looking for something to draw. So you're just the presence of that companion with you, that simple, simple companion changes everything about the way really, I think you live your life. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that. I'm sure you, I mean, you just said it, you experience it too. I absolutely agree with you. Like, uh, I've stopped going anywhere without a sketchbook, even when I know that there's no likely, I can't think of an opportunity that I'll get to draw something. I just, I have to keep that sketchbook in my pocket. If it's a small sketchbook, all the better. 
but I have to have it there because I like the feeling that it gives me, that it gives me this, it makes it my duty now to observe my world. And now I'm I'm looking left, I'm looking right. If I'm if I'm driving, I'm thinking about things. And if I'm in a in a in the subway and I know that I can't draw, say I'm stuffed or I'm, you know, people all around, then there's no way I'm drawing. But just having that thing, now it's my job to to look around and to not look at my phone. <laughs> yes. Oh my oh my God. I I love that so much. It's your duty. Yeah. I I, I completely agree. And I think it's I think especially, yeah, in these in these times where we're so on our phones and I'm so guilty of it too, it is such a like mental vacation to, to give yourself like even, and especially again, like in one minute you can make a drawing. And for that minute, you are literally not on this planet. I mean, you're, you're absolutely like, you're completely in the planet, right? Like you're like totally stitched into that moment, but it's like, I feel like it's like, it's like diving underwater and you come back and you're like refreshed, you know, and, and like, yeah. And so, so yeah, I encourage, and that's why I say, like, I feel like, you know, we talked about this, like at the beginning, like for both of us, it's like you, when you're starting this process, there's like this fear of like making bad drawings or whatever that you don't know what you're doing. And that's why I feel like I, I love what you just said. And I love that you do this podcast and I love it because it's like encouraging people to just give themselves that opportunity. Like, regardless of what you're going to make, make it because the process of making it will actually give you something, whether it's a good drawing or just a pleasant moment or a break or like faith in the world, you know, like it, it could give you so many things and, and like, yeah, with the simplest tool, a sketchbook and a pen, yeah. like it's amazing. I love that aspect uh, because like I've spoken to about you're the ninth person I'm speaking to for this podcast, or maybe is it the tenth? But we all uh, we all have these different stories and these different reasons for why we're doing it. But I love when it strikes upon a common thread, and this common thread seems to run through all of us. That it's it's just that moment, the time that you spend drawing, that's the value you get from it, and learning to let go of the results that it's it's so irrelevant and of course the results if you do it enough the results take care of themselves you're going to get better in whatever way that you're actually trying to get better as long as you don't obsess about that over over the results as long as you keep producing and just the joy of making things is what gets you to keep doing it again and again rather than the result looking good or looking bad yeah yeah i i totally agree I totally agree. And it's, it's so, it's so important to separate the process from the product because it's, it's just misery if you're creating with the express goal of making something amazing. Cause that's like, you can't, you can't control that. Like, I mean, there, there are some days where I sit down to draw and I'm like, Wowee, is today not a good drawing day, you know? How, how does this how does this mix with uh this it, it's interesting. I just spoke to a fellow artist who expressed a similar sentiment that how does it feel then when you do a commission for somebody? Do you feel that compulsion? This has to be an amazing drawing because somebody's asked me to do it. Yeah, oh that can be really hard. And I, I have I definitely have to remind myself um like to to be myself when I'm drawing, I'm like, they hired you because they like what you do. So now is not the time to suddenly be like, oh, excuse me, let me put on my, you know, fancy artist clothes and, and suddenly like try and do this the right way, you know, like, um, yeah. So sometimes I'll be like drawing a, a portrait and like, 
I, I find this a lot. Like I'll be, I'll be drawing a portrait for commission and get like down a road of being like, Oh, this has to be accurate. Like, which, you know, you're drawing some, you know, they, they want it to look like them. And I get really like stuck in like these fine details. And then I, oftentimes if I go down that road, I'm like, Ooh, this doesn't feel the way I want this to feel like there's not a lot of emotion in it. There's a lot of like technical attention. And that's, that's usually when I'll like put that drawing to the side and then be like, okay, just draw what you feel is happening. And then like draw the person that you feel happening in this photo. And that's always when I'm like, ah, this is a drawing that like makes me feel like there's a human here. And I got that human. Like maybe it's not, it's not, it's a different kind of accuracy than like, you know, technical replication, but it's like, I think that's like, that's got that spark. And like, that's what I, that's what I want to give people is like, I want to like give them that spark of self or like that essence. And like, that doesn't always have to be like the most, it's a different kind of fidelity, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm wondering, other than sharing your work online, have you had a chance to share your work in in other ways? Have you ever displayed somewhere? And what what is that experience like to put your art together as almost like a collection or as with a with a theme under it, and then to see people experience that? Yeah. So I've done. I've started to do more more of that. Um, uh, it's definitely my goal to do more of that. And I, I've, I've done a couple gallery shows now, like of, of varying sizes. And that is very, very exciting. Like it feels very like official and cool. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's just, it feels to me like just another way to like tell the story of, of what I do and just like share this message of like inviting people to look at the world. Um, so that's really cool. And, and the, I think one of the most profound like projects that I've worked on thus far is um, I worked with a uh, an organization called Sing for Hope, um, and they they're based in New York. I, I think they're maybe national, but um, every year in June they put a bunch of uh, painted pianos out in the city, and they literally live outside for a month, and people can play them. Like they're they're totally public pianos, um, and they they have artists uh, paint them and you know transform them from like a regular piano to like a totally artistic vision piano. Yeah, they're really cool. And a friend of mine uh, messaged me a couple years ago, and he was like, "You've got to do one of these." Because um, also the the woman uh, Camille Zamora, I think that's her name. The woman is one of the women who started it, and she's a an opera singer, and she started this like arts program and. I was an opera singer. So I was like, this is like literally all of my things in one. Um, and I, I painted the piano um, with my drawings. So I, I found a way to transfer them onto the piano. And that to me was really cool. Cause it was like the idea, the idea was to like, again, bring this, bring this concept of looking at the world and appreciating the people around you and, and seeing them um, into this piano that was like, also inviting people to like be creative together, you know? And so I, I love that combination. And then the, the, at the, at the end of the time that the pianos are displayed, they go into a public school and they become the, the piano for that school. Um, and so mine, my, my, my piano went to school in Harlem and I, yeah. And I like subsequently heard from the, um, you know, the, the people at the school that like the kids, they're like, the kids just like really love your piano because they see so many different faces and they see faces that look like theirs and faces that look like the folks that live in their neighborhood. And like, they really see the city reflected back at them. And I was like, that's like, all I want to do is like, is, is get people to, to like see themselves in this idea of, 
of like being seen and being appreciated and be like, if that girl could see somebody on the train and appreciate them, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm worthy of that. And like, that's, that's all I want to do. That's like all I want to do. (laughs) Just, Just seeing something, a part of your world, seeing a part of somebody, somebody who looks like you and seeing that they can be on a pedestal. Just that idea is so empowering. Uh, I'm reminded of, so I, I used to live in Wisconsin for a couple of years and I was in this small town, which was completely alien to me. I'm from India. I'm coming from a really big city and I'm living in a small town in the middle of the Midwest. So I walked around uh, with a sketchbook, drawing things with the idea that this is how I'm going to understand this place and understand the people that live here. What do they do? What do they eat? What do they drink? When do they do these things? Yeah. So uh, the next year, at the local artist market, which would set up next to the farmer's market. So there would be groceries and meats and cheeses. And then there would be a little bit of sneaky art to sell. (laughs) And I I, I would set up a stall every weekend during summer and people would come in. And I was thinking about different ways of showing them what I make. Because until that point, I'd only been doing things online. I'm drawing in my sketchbook, but everybody sees a picture. And now I had people walking and looking at my art, touching it and feeling it. And it was so interesting to to see what they would stop at, what they would think twice about and what they found that surprised them. And it's very similar to what you're saying that they would see uh, these people, uh, Midwesterners looking at their little town drawn by somebody else. And I would get a lot of these similar comments that this is a part of the city that this is a part of the town that I see every day, but it never occurred to me that it was worth drawing, quote unquote, worth drawing. And I guess that's also part of what you're bringing to them, that when you say that somebody and everybody is worthy of art, the idea that we have to think of ourselves in that image and all the ordinary things we see in that image. Yeah. Yeah. I think I th- yeah, I think that's so powerful. And it's definitely been really powerful to me. And I think in reflecting on it, I I feel like there's some some instinct in me that like, you know, like that, to share that with the world in part, because it like reflects back on you too. It's like, and it re- reflects back on every part of you, you know, the artistic process, like when you're when you're drawing something, it's like, you have to accept it because you're accepting the person that you're drawing. You know, it's like it's like this radical process of just accepting everything, being like, I accept that the person across from me is worthy of being seen. I accept that I'm worthy of that too. I accept that my art can be seen. I accept every part of this process as worthy, even though it is imperfect. Like, you know, I'm drawing on a train. That's not a good place to draw. I'm drawing a stranger, you know, that I'm only going to see for five minutes. That's not enough time. Like everything about it is sort of like, is is imperfect but i think there's something really radical about accepting that and celebrating that and and not seeing that as something that takes away but just seeing as that is like yeah that's the given so let's let's work with that let's 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 not fight that let's embrace it and and yeah like i think that i think it's so powerful like i i yeah that's sort of like all I want to communicate to people through my art at the end of the day is like (laughs) so true yeah I've had one more question that I received in one of those uh artist market experiences and I haven't uh like I feel like asking you this question for some reason this was asked to me from a seven-year-old girl who uh whose name is Edith and she was absolutely not impressed by what I was doing (laughs) 
she had no patience for it she had no time for it and she asked me what kind of person goes around drawing other people so i want to ask you that question because i had to come up with an answer right there so how what what how would you answer that if oh somebody asks you this she just just to give you perspective she has a very stern look on her face and <laughs> She, it's completely at odds with the clothes she's wearing because she's looking really pretty. She's dressed in a frock and she's in pink and she's just not happy with what I'm doing there. <laughs> oh my God. That's what so kind cool. of person, uh, what kind of person Sarah goes around drawing other people? Oh my gosh. I think, I think a curious person would be, would be my answer. Um, probably in both senses of the term, a little curious and like, you know, it's not a normal thing to do. That's for sure. Um, it's a little strange. Uh, it's definitely a little strange. Um, but I think it's, uh, allowing yourself to be strange (laughs) is good. Uh, and, and I think curious, like I, I, you know, sort of one of the things that I find myself repeating is like, you know, curiosity breeds empathy and empathy breeds love. And I feel like when you become curious about the world, you become empathetic to the stories that you're seeing. You wonder about them. You sort of imagine yourself in them. And like I said, you become sort of more accepting of them, more loving of them. So, but I think fundamentally it's a curious person who does it. Cause it's like, like you said, like when you came to that city, you know, that town, you wanted to know what it was about and you used your sketchbook as a technique to do that. And I think that's brilliant. And so I, but I think if you're not curious, then you you would have no instinct to do that. But I think it's that curiosity that, you know, you, you're trying to understand it. And, and I think it's, it's such a cool thing. But yeah, I, I think I would tell her, yeah, curiosity. <laughs> she probably wouldn't I feel be like, very I feel like that. I said some, yeah, I feel like I said something similar. I said curiosity and words around that. And I, she was not, she was not impressed. It didn't, it didn't work. But you know what? It's interesting because I just taught, um, I just taught a, a drawing class to a bunch of, um, nine-year-old brownies, um, brownie troop. And it was really interesting because I was like, I feel like what I have to say, children do not need to hear as much as adults, because I feel like kids are experiencing the world in the way that like, I think our sketchbooks allow us to, I think kids are like in the process of that all the time. I think like they haven't learned a lot of these, you know, bad lessons of like self-judgment and, you know, limitations. They haven't learned that yet. So it's like, like, I can, I can kind of see, you know, like why, like as to, you know, we're behaving in some way like kids. Like, and so I feel like I could see how a kid would be like super unimpressed because they're just like, so yeah. So you draw all the time. Cool. Me too. Like, you know, That's, uh, that's, ex- that's probably exactly what was going through her head. And I feel <laughs> the same way. Like children are naturally curious. They're always discovering new things. They're fascinated by the oddest, littlest things that we as adults, because we're so mature and so grown up and so jaded that we don't even look twice at things. Yes. And yes. this process of drawing is, you, you're going back in time one, in, in one way. And so even sharing it then with adults, at least, you have you you give them this that why don't you look at what you've been always looking at but why don't you look at it in this way and that's that spark that we offer and that your drawings offer people oh yeah that's that's awesome i i yeah i totally agree i think and i think that's like i think it's kind of the the yeah behind all art i think i think all all like yeah i think all art is like that idea just like showing somebody something 
different, you know, even if it's what they see all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, I have uh, just one more question that I'd been meaning to ask you. It's a question that I ask a lot of my guests and it's about the, the kind of people that I want to speak to with this podcast. Of course, I'm also always speaking with people who are artists or who are who are urban sketchers, et cetera, et cetera, people who are already drawing. And we're helping them by sharing this process. But I'm always interested in speaking to people who are curious about these things. But like you said, they don't give themselves the permission to do those things. What's Can you think of a single compelling reason that you could ask somebody who isn't at the moment drawing why they should look at the world and make a little drawing. Yeah. Um, oh man. I think, I think it's, it's, oh man, it's like a creative reprieve. Like if you give yourself a moment to draw from life, you Anxiety is a very future oriented uh, frame of mind. And I feel like a really good antidote to that, which is, is to just actually be very present in the moment. And I feel like drawing from life forces you to like, for as long as you're doing it, all you can really think about is like, what's literally in front of you. And I think we have so few opportunities to do that these days. And it is a gift. And so again, if the drawing turns out great, great. But even if all you get is li literally one minute of a complete break from doing anything outside of what you're doing in that moment, I think that has huge benefits. I, so that would be like, even if you're not doing it for the artistic process, if you're just doing it for like a brief reprieve, like an oasis, do it. <laughs> and you can get it in a minute, literally a minute. You can, you can do that. So I love how you describe it with relation to anxiety because that's so true. You all all these ideas of what you were doing before, what you will do later, things that will come into your life in 10 minutes, 20 minutes, the next day, everything just washes away. You're right there very deeply in that moment. And you're looking at these silly little things. Like if you tell somebody that I was sitting in the subway and I was looking at this woman's scarf for 10 minutes, mm -hmm. they're going to think you're crazy. But mm -hmm. It's so important to do that, to just, and to find those, those objects. So these objects of meditation, you're not, they're not intimidating. They're just whatever makes you curious. There's no list. There's no prescribed ideas of what you're supposed to draw and what not. What I find most fascinating about people who draw on location is they're just chasing their curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about how, when, when you're on the subway again, because I love this aspect, you're in New York, you're on the subway, you're always going to be seeing things that you've never seen before every single day. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about drawing things that are completely alien to you? And what, what about say a person, like I think of, I think of a subway or a train or an airport. These are, these are some of my favorite places to draw. I think of it as a place where worlds are colliding all the time you have people who have no business knowing each other who have no business sitting next to each other but they're right there because they're all like almost like they're united by this idea that we're all trying to get somewhere else so you're there and you're just exposed to 
all of these worlds how how do you how do you break it down like your drawings are simple but how do you how does somebody break down this complex multicolored reality and then just put it into some lines yeah i mean i think it is it's definitely tapping into like that essence of the person you know like trying to find those details that like speak to what speaks to me about that person so so yeah i mean i think it's i think it is the simplicity that is very freeing um yeah not not feeling obligated to capture everything about that person um i feel like that is that is really helpful um and i agree i mean it's amazing like the you know the subway or airports like i mean like six million people ride the subway every day you know and like i mean and there are like literally are like millionaires on the subway and and homeless people and everyone in between and so it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's just like life is happening in front of you. Like, it's like, it's just the most amazing place to draw, I think, because it's like, you know, literally just like a cross section of the city is just there. <laughs> and so, yeah, but I think that's, that's why I think tapping into like, the essence, like what you see as the essence, and that might be different to somebody else. But like, you know, it might be like something like, you know, you see a really fancy businessman, and he's got you know, a crisp suit and like shoes are polished and like everything is pristine. And then he's like, got really crazy socks on or something. You know, it's like, it's like, maybe that's the detail that you focus on. You know, you don't draw the rest of the person, you just draw that, you know, the shoe and the sock. And like, that's enough. You've done that a few times, haven't you? Like, I, I think I've seen a few drawings in which it's just a colorful sock with yes. a shoe. I think I've, I've become I realized that I think the thing I draw most commonly other than people is shoes. And I, I think I like totally believe I I feel like people express themselves through their shoes, like not just like stylistically, like, like how they hold their feet, like the, you know, the sock that they put to the shoe or like, you know, just every, like, I feel, I feel like I would, I would honestly make a book of just like portraits of people through their shoes. Like, I feel like that is, is so expressive. I love, I love that thought because I feel like if we sat next to each other and we drew whatever we saw on the, on a subway ride, you could put our drawings together and we would form one complete picture because shoes are something that I very consciously avoid drawing because <laughs> I can't I can't draw feet or hands for some reason. So I keep trying to hide them. I give them something to I look for people who are holding something or I just cut off at the bottom of their trousers or their 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 feet and I don't give them feet. I, that's, that's, I, I did that for, for many, many years as well. I was like, I don't know. And I still do that. I mean, I, I call it like the creative detour. Like, I'm like, oh, if you're in the middle of a drawing and you don't know how to do it, just don't draw it. <laughs> like, that's fine. I think that's totally fine. Like, eventually you'll figure it out. But like, the, you know, I, I feel like actually into your, you know, I think that's another part of like the simplicity of my style is sometimes it's, it's just a reflection of not actually knowing how to do do something else so I draw the thing that I do know how to do and like so true yeah we kind of cycle back to this idea that our mistakes or our inabilities the whatever shortcomings we have that's what defines the style that we end up like like manifesting yeah yeah I I completely agree I I completely agree I think it's it's super powerful so yeah mistakes are mistakes are really excellent teachers <laughs> missed exactly what what a great note because 
I want people to embrace this idea of making mistakes. Like you, ha- they, they're your, that it, it makes it your drawing. It makes it not just a photograph, not just a print of what somebody else made, not just a perfect reproduction. I feel like perfectionism, and I'm saying this as a perfectionist, is so harmful and so overrated. Who cares about perfectionism? You can get perfectionism anywhere. You don't have to, like, there's no point in being an artist if you're going, like, it's all about embracing our mistakes. And it, again, makes the process of making art so easy then. Once you understand that you're not supposed to be perfect, you're supposed to make your mistakes. Yes. Oh, my God. I I, I could talk about that for, like, the next 10 hours. Like, on, I agree with you so much. And it's interesting because I met a fellow artist. Um, his name is Michael Arthur. And he, he uh, if you haven't interviewed him, you should. He's very interesting. Uh, very cool. Very similar story to like coming to drawing, just like you and I. And, um, but he, he was, we were talking about drawing and pen and he was like, um, he said, you know, well, I, you know, I think I said that I was a perfectionist and he was like, well, that's, that's why you do it because it's like an opportunity to like kind of test that perfectionism. Like, and, and the way he was saying it was sort of like to, um, to kind of like prove how perfect you can be in the moment. And I was like, you know, I can see how that is, is a, would be a manifestation of perfectionism in this way. But for me, I feel like it's become really the antidote. It's like, it is like, I daily offer myself low stake opportunities to fail spectacularly. And, and then I do, I do, I make bad drawings, quote unquote, bad drawings every day. And I also make good drawings. And sometimes I turn those bad drawings into good drawings because I don't abandon the mistake. I'm like, oh no, this was a good drawing and this mistake needs to like, we're gonna figure you out because I'm not throwing this drawing out. And and so I feel like in a funny way, drawing in pen is is an invitation to disaster. <laughs> and and that's really important. It's like it's like I don't want to rescind that because if I take that out, then everything becomes so precious. And so it's like yeah. it's like no, I want I want that pen to force me to make mistakes because then I'll never take myself so seriously. You know, it's like it keeps that spark. I think. Um, yeah, I I completely agree with that. Uh, the sent the, your sentiment towards towards drawing with pen because that's how I feel. It's my opportunity to let go of this baggage of trying to be perfect all the time, and I do it also with maybe the subconscious hope that it will just be like therapy it will make me less uh, more able to handle failure more able to handle what looks like failure but actually isn't because that happens so often like you're drawing as you're making a drawing and maybe even until the halfway point or even until the 75 percent point it feels like you screwed up it's not going to be a good drawing but then you rescue it right at the end yes. and somehow when you're finished it's like yes that worked all of yes. it just came together all the mistakes and warts and all it's so true. Oh my gosh. They're, one of my favorite, one of my favorite drawings is actually that I was at, uh, I was drawing dogs at Westminster, um, kennel club, uh, dog show. And I was drawing this like Corgi and I was like halfway through the drawing. And I was like, this is so bad. Like I should just, I should really like stop and turn the page. Cause like, there's just no way to like turn this ship around. And like, and I was like, no, you know, you never know. Just finish the drawing. Like it's, you got another like 30 seconds. And then like, I looked at the drawing at the end and I was like, whoa, I don't, 
I don't know how I did that, but like this drawing looks so wrong, like 30 seconds ago. And now it's like one of my favorite, like I was like, I was, I just was judging it at the wrong part of the process. You know, like I was judging it when it wasn't done yet. And, um, I, I think that's, I think that's, that's really like, again, it's why if you can toss judgment in the garbage, you can like, you at least will, will, will allow yourself to finish your thought before you think about what you said. You know? <laughs> so I think that's, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So true. So true. Sarah, this has been a lovely conversation. I've learned so much, so many amazing things about you, but uh, I want, I just remembered I happened to go on your website and I looked at your bio and is all of this true? <laughs> um, yeah. <yes>. Because <laughs> you sound like, you sound like as if I tried to make up a story of who I am. <laughs> you're, you're an, you're an opera singer. Yes. And you ride horses. Yes. And you're working on your archery skills. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and then you're making art on your drawing on the way. Yes. So tell me which part of this is the elaborate lie that you've invented <laughs> just to sound absolutely incredible. Um, it, they are, it is all true. Um, I, I like to say I am a, a very talented um, third grader. So I can, I can sing really well. I can draw pretty well. Um, you know, I like to ride horses and uh, be outside. Yeah. I, I, I am a, yeah, I've sort of been collecting lives, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've, done, I've been drawing as my third career. And um, yeah, I think it's that dang curiosity. It's like, I, I like to, I like to try things. I, I'm very curious about the world. And I, a little bit, you know, curiosity killed the cat. So I, yeah, I've, I've lived, I've lived a lot of lives. <laughs> and it's just, it's just kind of normal to me being strange. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lovely way to put it. Uh I just, I hope people take from it the abiding lesson that firstly, there's no such thing as bad art, so to say, objectively bad art. And secondly, even if there was, it's so irrelevant because just enjoying things and being curious about things, that's that's the whole point. And Absolutely. From, from your work, people can see that there's so much to take, even from a drawing that's made in a minute, made in a hurried minute, made not even perhaps according to the best standards of the artist themselves. It's simply the communication and how we're able to reach each other. So I thank you so much again for this conversation and for giving me the time. This, this was really lovely. Yes. Oh my God. Thank you to you. This was spectacular. I enjoyed, I enjoyed this. I love talking about these things and it's so awesome to talk about it with a fellow sneaky artist. And I, I, it's, 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 yeah, this is fabulous. I'm so glad. Thank you.